0: We've started a series a couple of weeks ago, and it's a series on relationships. The first week, we actually looked at the amazing way in which God not only said that He's asking for a relationship, but He actually modeled and demonstrated and gave an amazing example of what relationship looks like. And, and there were four things that we drew out that, that God constantly does through Scripture. He constantly does through scripture to communicate and to model and to show that he values relationship. Now, the test is, can anyone remember what they were? Proximity, excellent. And one was proximity. And we went last week into more detail about that. The second one? Value. Value, awesome. Yep. And gift, sacrifice. That's really good, really good. So these were the four things that that God consistently has shown and demonstrated in terms of setting up from his side of the picture of what relationship looks like. And that laid the foundation of what we're looking at in this series, uh, looking at relationships, not just with God, relationships with family, those close to us, siblings, spouses, those that we, we relate to in community, and even relating to ourselves. These four things are really profound. And this week we're moving on and looking at value relationships and the sen- this, this sense of value and what that means to us. And I'm, I'm really excited for a couple of reasons. Some of you will have heard a slab of this message because as I was praying about it during the week, I really sensed God said to me, I want you to bring the ID group training into this space. And I was excited for a couple of reasons because I really loved preparing the ID group training. ID groups are groups of three people that gather together to encourage and equip and disciple one another and um, be accountable to what God's saying to each person. I was also excited because a lot of the preparation had already been done. But I'm really encouraged because for me, this area, this stuff that God shared with me has made a massive difference in how I relate to people. And so that's what's exciting for me because this is really significant in breaking down some of the, the big hard things that we go, I don't know what to do. I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not an expert. I'm not a guru on theology. How do, I, how do I connect with people? And this for me was really special in breaking that down and making it something that I went, hey, I can do this. So we're looking at this place of value, but I want to start in the place of possibility. Possibility is an amazing idea because it's the sense of what motivates us. And everybody has this, this sense of possibility. That the phrase is for the sake of which? That for the sake of something that you would you would give up other things, you would you would sacrifice, you would, you would pursue and you would push through and you persevere because of the possibility. Whole heap of young people go off to war because of possibility. I don't think anyone likes the idea of a war, but a whole heap of young people, guys and girls, sign up to go to war because of possibility. Mums Stay up all night settling newborn babies because of possibility. Business people work long hours, many days of the week because of possibility. Possibility is actually what motivates us. Now, possibility comes in two parts. There's two parts to possibility, identity and purpose. Now, these two things are really cool. They're really exciting because identity says who you are. And purpose says where you're going. So we've got these two parts of possibility. The first part is who you are, and the second part is where you're going. Our value of someone is determined by what we see their possibility as. So when we're talking about this picture of value, what we're actually saying is that we see someone's identity and we see their purpose we see someone's identity and we see their purpose jesus got this really really clearly what did he say his identity was who did he say he was i'm the son of god that's my identity i'm i'm loved by the father i'm one with the father and what was what was his calling what was his purpose he was heading to the cross he was, a, he was a man on mission. He was convinced of who he was and he was convinced of where he was going. What do you think the possibility is? Phenomenal. He was a man on a mission. He was a man who, who, who was driven. There was nothing getting in his way. His possibility was through the roof. He knew his value to the Father. He knew he was loved. He knew his identity and he knew what his calling was. When we look at people, when we look at, At each other, when we bump into someone down the street, what we want to understand is who are they and what's their purpose. Who are they and what's their purpose? Now, the who are are, are they ones are a little bit interesting because sometimes we know people a little bit too well. We go, well, I know who they are. Let me tell you about that person. They're a troublemaker. They're evil. They're they're, they're a problem. I want us to break about out of this idea of who someone is based on what we've experienced because we also know who God sees them as. If you look at a very small, fragile orange tree, any day the sun could come along, could, could parch it, it could, could cause it to die. It's very fragile. But is it an orange tree? It is. It is an orange tree. How many oranges has it produced? None. Okay, so we've got something that doesn't produce oranges, and yet it's still an orange tree. It's not an orange tree when it's become mature and grown. It's actually an orange tree when it's little and fragile because it hasn't produced fruit, as Peter said, yet. It doesn't change. And sometimes we look at people like that little fragile orange tree and we go, well, really, what's that got to offer? Where's the fruit? Where's the oranges? Where's the big, healthy shade? Where's the nest for birds to come and, and come and be safe in? It's not really doing much at the moment, is it? But when we look at relationships, we've got to look at value and identity as the way God sees people. The possibility, the exciting stuff. In this space of significance, society says, you start with knowledge. Start with knowing stuff. You move on to practicing it, and then you become something. You start with knowledge, you move on to practicing it, and then you become something. Okay, has anyone got their P-plates or L-plates? Yeah, yeah. Practicing part. What did you have to do before you got them? Had to sit a test, had to read a book, knowledge, had to start with the knowledge, had to practice. What are you aiming to become? A fully licensed driver. Be able to drive freely on the roads. So you start with knowledge and this happens, this pattern happens time and time again in in all parts of life. We start with having to know something, we move on to practicing it and then at last you can say, I am what I set out to be. This is completely the opposite to the way God's kingdom works, to the way Jesus functioned because he said, you start with becoming. When you recognize that you're becoming, you then get to practice. And once you practice for a while, you actually start to understand. He flips the whole picture upside down. And there's a fantastic passage in 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So we're starting with everything that we need and participating in the divine nature. We're starting with the becoming part. We've actually got everything we need and are experiencing the divine nature at the start. But he goes on, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, to your goodness, knowledge, to your knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. That sounds like practice. We didn't start with those things. We started with everything that we needed and divine nature. And now we've moved into a place of being able to practice. This is really cool. And then he goes on to say, for if you possess these qualities increasing measure, we're practicing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now we're starting to understand. So it actually flips things around the opposite way. It flips things around the opposite way. So we start with becoming, we move on to having a go, and then at the end we understand. Now, you can see this in action because you can see it when a little kid wants to play basketball. I'll give you an example. I um, coach Daniel's basketball team, and we've had a guy join our team at the start of this season. He's never played basketball before in his life. He loves having shots and stuff, but never played competition. Doesn't know two-thirds of the rules, and is joining in under-14s. Some of the kids in the team have been playing for six or seven seasons, and uh, his name's Matt. So Matt came along. Unfortunately, timing-wise, we didn't train before our first game. So he rocked up to the stadium for the first game, having never played a game of basketball. And you could see he was a little anxious. He knew one other team member, that one of the guys invited him to join our team. And I sat down next to Matt, and I said, Matt, I'm so glad you're here. I think it's awesome that you've chosen to be part of this basketball team. I think it's fantastic, and I'm, I'm really glad that you're here. I want you to go and really enjoy playing basketball today. Don't worry too much about the rules. We'll work on that as we go. Watch the other guys, see what they're doing. But just join in. Just play. Because I knew that Matt already is a basketball player. Never played a game before in his life, but he's already a basketball player. And out of this sense of identity, this idea that he is a basketball player, is wearing the uniform, is ready to step on the court. I wanted to tell him that as we go, he's going to get to practice. But he's not going to reach a point where he's eligible to get on the court. He started eligible to get on the court. Does this make sense? He actually starts with possibility. He starts with identity and calling. It's not something I'm going to give him down the track. It's something he actually starts with. Now, I hope at this point, if you're listening, you're asking a really good question. I like your ideas, Matt, but where's this in the Bible? Because if you're not thinking that, then I want you to think a little harder. Because we've got to be really careful that we don't just take good ideas and go, that's nice. We want to do it Jesus' way. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you a couple of amazing examples of what Jesus does. John 4, 7, Jesus speaks to a woman at the well, a Samaritan woman, no less. Samaritans and Jews, Jesus and this lady should have had nothing to do with each other. She's, she's a lady as well. And she's out in the middle of the day when she shouldn't have been there. All the wrong reasons. What does Jesus say to her? The first thing he says to her, he says, can I have a glass of water? Can I have, can you, can you draw some water for me? Now to us, we go, he ask for a glass of water, whatever. What's significant about that? To her, that was profound. He should want nothing to do with her, let alone receive hospitality from her. He is actually declaring her value and significance and worth with that simple little question. What does Jesus say to the first two people that he calls to uh, to join him on his mission? Uh, two, first two disciples, Peter and Andrew. He says in Matthew four eighteen. Come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Does he say, you guys are losers, you're fishermen, I can do much better than that. He says, I see something in you guys. You are valuable and significant right now, right at the beginning. He hasn't taught them a thing yet. He hasn't done any practice. And he says, come and join me, I see you, you're valuable. In Matthew 9.9, 9, he's introduced to a tax collector. And it says, after talking to him, the first thing he does is goes and has a, has a meal with this guy. Not only with this guy, with all his tax collector and sinner mates. This is how he introduces himself to the disciple Matthew. Phenomenal. He starts by saying, I'm not going to wait for you to change. I'm not going to wait till you've got it together. I'm not going to wait till you're worthy. I'm actually going to come to your place for a meal. Again, an amazingly profound thing in Jewish culture to, to share hospitality with someone who is a loser. You do not do that. You're corrupting yourself. And yet he says, I give you value first. I give you value first. I show significance to you first. I see your possibility before we even begin this relationship. He does it time and time again. And the foundation of relationship for Jesus is value first, value first. And for me, this is really, really cool because what this means is, is that when I talk to people, when I interact with people, whether I know them or not, I start from a position of value. And when I start from a position of value, it actually becomes really easy. Mind you, I have to confess, I don't always get it right. I'm at the park yesterday, watching a bunch of people with their kids interact. And I got a bit judgmental. I was looking at at, at the way they dress their kids, the way they're interacting. They're clearly working really hard to to look significant in society. They didn't just want to rock up to the park dressed. They were looking like they wanted to impress. And we're, we're down in... Point Lonsdale, so it's a bit of a a yuppie culture down there anyway. But that's a bit judgmental anyway. (laughs) The point is, I started looking at them and I started thinking about some of the people that I'm hanging out with for the next few days and I went, oh, they're a little bit like that too. Immediately, I was shifting away from this point of value into a point of going, do I really want to hang out with these people? It'd be great to hang out with, with the kids, but... Maybe we'll just go for a walk on the boardwalk rather than go down and catch up with the others. Maybe we'll do other things rather than interact. i would lost this sense of value in the people that I was going to spend the weekend with. And so that's, that's my confession. It's one of those things that when you look at it through a selfish perspective or when you look at it through a judgmental perspective, it gets warped. But when you see it the way Jesus sees it, people are already amazing orange trees. before they produce fruit. Before they have birds in their, in their branches, before they bring shade to animals underneath it, they're already amazing orange trees. There's a little chart that I've stolen from uh, 3DM and adapted in this scenario. It's a discipleship movement. And I found it really handy to, to put into our heads how our relationships work. So on one column, we've got identity and on the other, purpose, the two things that that we add together for possibility. And all our relationships fit somewhere in here. If we have a lot of purpose, but not much identity, well, the way we look at someone is with purpose, but not much identity, we end up discouraged. It's quite a stressed relationship because there's not much value in the person. There's just value in the task. And we all probably have known relationships like that. A boss that just goes, I don't care what you did yesterday, work harder. They see the purpose, but they just see no value in the person. When we have a a relationship where there's heaps of identity, but no purpose, it's pretty shallow and pretty cozy. We go, love hanging out, but we're going nowhere. The worst one is when there's no identity or purpose, and it's a pretty apathetic sort of relationship. There's no value There's no purpose. It's boring. But the aim is, if we can get into this space of having both purpose and identity, we actually have a sense of value in people. The interesting thing is, this applies both ways. Obviously, the way people see us and the way we see them. And I actually want to stop for a second and you to reflect on how you see God your relationship with God the Father, how that fits in here? What do you see as his identity? Now, this is not something to encourage God. He knows who he is. But in terms of how you interact with God, I would argue sometimes we live in a stressed space where we believe God's telling us to do stuff, but we forget that he's loving and gracious and merciful that he eagerly desires our presence and our our relationship. And we can get quite discouraged. We can get quite stressed in our relationship with God. I would argue that other times we go, it's all so good, God's amazing, he's my best friend. I love God. We get along really well, but we're going nowhere. We just like hanging out. And we end up in this space of a shallow relationship with God. God. We end up at without, without purpose, without direction. Hopefully, we're not in a place where we don't have either of those things. But I'd really love you just to reflect for a second and spend a moment just going, how do I see God? How do I see his value and his purpose? Because when these two things come together, I think our relationship with God is phenomenal. I think it is phenomenal. And we can extend this out to our spouses to our kids, to the people we have responsibility for at workplaces, to people that we're going to meet in a couple of weeks' time, random people on the streets of Melbourne as we share the gospel with them. What is their value? The beauty of this is, and this is why this is so profound to me, is because it stops me going, relationships is too hard. It stops me from getting into that place of saying, relationships is too complicated. Because when we come down to these two core things, there's something all of us can understand. All of us can share and contribute into a relationship. You do not have to have any qualification to be able to look and see someone's value, to be able to look and see someone's purpose. I want to read from from, um, the book of John, John 8, starting at verse 3. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, No one, Lord. Listen to this. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on, sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on, sin no more. He wasn't just saying nice words to this woman, he was saying, You're more than condemnation. That is not your identity. These people were trying to put a badge of condemnation on you, trying to say, your life is over, it's worth, you're worth death because of your actions. He reminded this woman, he didn't tell her she didn't do the wrong thing. He didn't tell her everything's all blissful and fine. Clearly, th- clearly things weren't. But he said, you are not worth condemnation. That is not your identity but he didn't stop there. He also said, you have purpose in life. You have direction. You have meaning. Go and sin no more. Go and take the life that you were been given and, and live it to the full. Live it the way you, you know you're meant to live it and said, you have identity and you have purpose. The, the woman healed from bleeding. Do you remember what he said to her? Does anyone remember what what Jesus said to the woman? It happens time and time again. I'm repeating the same thing because Jesus does it time and time again and it's actually not complicated. He calls her daughter. He calls her daughter. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. You've got this. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Identity and purpose. Simple sentences. These aren't... Essays, counselling people, identity and purpose. You are already valuable and significant and you're going somewhere. In Matthew 16, 17, Jesus uh, is is discipling Peter. And Jesus uh, says to him, after Peter declares who he is, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. Peter means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Two important parts. You have identity. Peter, you are a rock. God is with you. And you have purpose. I'm going to build my church on this rock, Peter. Time and time again, we have these two profound things that show value in people. And I think I'd really encourage you this week to practice these things. What I'd love you to do now is just to spend a moment thinking about someone in your life, including God, that might be a strained relationship, that might not be a relationship where you think it it should be, that's not as healthy as it should be because I don't think this is just nice theory. Jesus didn't model this stuff because he wants us to understand more. We start with becoming, we move on to practice and we end up with knowledge. We don't want to just be full of knowledge. I'm just just starting the ball rolling so that you recognize that you have actually, you're actually like Peter. Blessed are you. The Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You are a rock. Which God has intention and purpose. This is what God sees in you. And so we're not here to contemplate nice ideas. We're here to actually put into action to practice what it is we already are. So, what does that look like this week? What is that relationship that you want to practice this? Because I know you've got this. I know you are capable of being a disciple that disciples. Because that's all this is whether it's your kids, whether it's your parents, whether it's whatever the relationship is, pick a relationship and go, where is it sitting right now? Is there purpose but no identity? Is there identity but no purpose? Do I not see either right now? It's just in the too hard basket and I don't see any identity and purpose. Because I'm convinced God will continue to reveal to you what to say and what to do in that relationship so that it is healthy and you see value in that person. I'd also really encourage you on the flip side of that, because that's people we know, to meet a new person this week and verbalize to them identity and purpose. This is where it gets really cool because I'm convinced that when God says he, he released power and the Holy Spirit to use us, it wasn't just for our families. It wasn't just for our church group. I'm convinced that we have an amazing opportunity to be able to speak into the lives of people we don't even know through the Holy Spirit to be able to love and to be able to transform lives. So there's two projects. One, an existing relationship that maybe isn't healthy or not, not where it could be. And two is a relationship that hasn't happened yet. Are you excited about both of those things? Honestly, like... Who's excited about the first one, being able to, to have a healthier relationship? You don't have to be, like this, it's hard work. You know, if it's, if it's been a long-term relationship and you want it to change, there can be discouragement, yeah? But who is excited about the first one? Yep. Who is excited about the second one? Who's freaked out by the first one? Yep, there's, there's tough relationship. Who's freaked out by the second one? <laughs> yeah. This is the phenomenal thing. When Darren stood up here, and called Jordy out and shared with Jordy what, how awesome she was on camp. Do you know what? He wasn't actually saying what Jordan did on camp. I just loved how you modeled that, Darren. Thank you so much. Best example ever. Do you know what he was doing? He was actually saying what she was before camp. I don't know if you noticed that. He said, sometimes, Jordan, people don't see what you're doing behind the scenes. He used it as an example, but he was actually telling her who she already was, before camp even happened. This is exciting and it's something that I am convinced that every single one of you has absolutely everything you need to do this. Without doubt, I have no hesitation that you are capable of doing this, of a healthier relationship and a new relationship. The reason we fear is because we haven't exercised these muscles very well. The first time at the gym, Sucks. (laughs) Sucks. <laughs> the first time playing basketball sucks. Because you walk away feeling like a cripple because every muscle aches. Everything reminds you that you have not done this before. And that's what this fear is. It's nothing more than that. Don't give it any more credit than the fact that we've got some practice to do. It has no more credibility than a space that we need to work more on. That's it. That's all your fear is. It will try to tell you a whole heap of other things. They are not true. It's just a space that we want to practice more in. And for me, this is awesome and exciting. And I'm really keen for next week everyone to come back and go, I've got a story to tell of what God did through this relationship when I showed value in someone. And I was blown away by how easy it is. Because I know that is my story. My relationship with my wife is so much better since seeing this. All those niggling little things that she does are insignificant when I see the value of identity and purpose. Because I could, I could talk for the next two hours about her identity and purpose, but sometimes I look at the wrong things and I think about the wrong things and I get distracted from value. But when I focus on this, my relationship with Tan is 10 times better. My kids. The same. Everyone I meet, even you guys, it's true. It is better and it is achievable. And I'm just so excited. And, And the reason I love this stuff is because this is what discipling is. We're freaked out by discipling, see value and purpose in people, and you will not be freaked out by discipling. Let's just pray. Lord. I thank you so much that you modelled and demonstrated such a healthy way, such an exciting way to connect to people. And time and time again in the relationships you built, you loved people both practically but also just with this sense of value. Lord, we want to be like you. Lord, we don't want to just be looking on with amazement, but Lord, we want to be like you. Holy Spirit, will you come and break down our fears? come and break down the things that discourage us or or hold us back from, from relationship, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help us see and verbalize what it means to value people. Lord, I pray you would help us step out and acknowledge what it is that you see in people. Lord, we want to do this not for those that we've already been called to, but for those that are coming up as well, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would give every single one of us an opportunity to do this this week with someone new. I thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this coming week. In Jesus' name.